Law enforcement suicides are at an all-time high right now. One of the causes is poor leadership within the law enforcement profession. Nick, the host of the Roll Call Room podcast, has written a book, Police Mental Barricade, A Survivor's Guide to Poor Law Enforcement Leadership. This book is a raw and powerful look into suicide and how poor leadership decisions contribute to law enforcement suicides. Buy the book now at mentalhealthbarricade.com and stop the stigma. The issues discussed on the Roll Call Room podcast do not reflect the opinions of any specific agency. Any characters discussed on this show may be fictional for comedic value unless you're a shitbag Steve. This podcast is rated explicit and listener discretion is advised. You've never been in front of this many people before, right? That, that don't matter. You've never been this far away from home. That don't matter. What matters is what you leave in that ring and what you take back with you. You know what that is? Pride and knowing that you did your best and you're doing it for yourself, not for me. Not your father's memory, but for you. I can see in your eyes you're going to do it. He said, when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. The only thing you care about when you're trying to breathe is to get some fresh air. That's it. And when you get to the point where all you want to do is be successful as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. And I'm here to tell you, number one, that most of you say you want to be successful, but you don't want it bad. You just kind of want it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me share something with you. I do not believe that any of us have dreams that were not given to us for the purpose of accomplishing those particular dreams. And I want to share something with you that has changed my life. indicated by Jack. It's very humble beginnings. I don't know what that dream is that you have. I don't care how far-fetched it might appear to be. I don't care how disappointing it might have been as you've been working toward that dream. But here's what I know. That that dream that you're holding in your mind, that it's possible. 
Let's say that together, please. It's possible. See, sometimes we can't say, I can do that. But what we can say, that it's possible that I can have my dream as we run toward it, as we work on it day in and day out. That in the process of working on your dreams, you are going to incur, incur a lot of disappointment, a lot of failure, a lot of pain, a lot of setbacks, a lot of defeats. But in the process of doing that, you will discover some things about yourself that you don't know right now. What you will realize is that you have greatness within you. What you'll realize is that you're more powerful than you can ever begin to imagine. Go! Here's Michael in the foul line. A shot on Elo. Guys! The Bulls win! They win it! Surging forward with real menace here. Brilliant from Messi. Oh, what a goal that is! Usain Bolt sprinting ahead, winning by daylight! Hello and welcome to the Roll Call Room podcast that pissed off shitbag Steve Commanders and cost my daddy his job and then pissed them off yet again with his number one book, Mental Health Barricade on Amazon. And now your host, my Uncle Mike, and best-selling author, my daddy. Fuck you, Commanders. Up your ass. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Roll Call Room podcast. Uh, Mike is on 4th of July vacation, uh, so it is me and Hollywood Mike Tomas with me. <laughs> I don't know about all that, bro. <laughs> those of you uh, that remember, Mike has come on with seven, uh, 720 Interdiction Part 1, which was absolute fire. Uh, the highest trending episode up until Dave Copenhaver, who's a good friend of yours. That son uh, of a bitch got me. Bitch beat me. <laughs> DUI enforcement. Dave's and, incredible, uh, man. Dave's awesome, dude. It was it was it was very funny because uh fans um it was like Mike Dave, Mike Dave, and it was a competition between the both of them. And um I'm going to give the official results of who oh. the, winner, the winner is on the air. Oh, I and, guarantee uh, it's Dave. And I don't blame anybody for, for voting for Dave. Dave's awesome, dude. Well, I'll tell you, you know, when Dave did his first one, he was very, uh, you turned me on to Dave. Yeah, yeah. And Dave yeah. was very, very apprehensive. He was like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to transfer over. And, um, <laughs> 
It transferred over perfectly because I had timed your episode and Dave's episode in a time where we were in stand down orders. Yeah. yeah. Folks were stuck in cruisers. They were thriving for knowledge and they're still thriving for knowledge because we're still not out of that. Mike and I are going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how much has changed before before we hit record on this. Mike and I were just talking about how much life has changed from August 20th was when we did your, um, I'm sorry, April 20th was the day that we did your first interview. And what I just realized is April 20th was the day, my last day on the job. Yeah, so I did your interview on my last day in police work. Wow. Breaking my heart, man. Dude, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to dive right into it. So police, police interdiction, uh, drug interdiction. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, I don't even want to know. <laughs> I don't really want to know. Uh, so drug interdiction, Dave beat you. Of oh, course he did. No, 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 no. Back, back up. You beat Dave by 150 plays. You beat him by 150 plays. But his second one... Oh, dude. Guys. His second one beats you by 200 plays. Oh, bro, yeah. Without, so, you're even. Yeah. so you're even. Let me tell you, man. Dude, I absolutely have nothing but admiration and respect for beast. Dave. He's he is, beast. man. He is. He truly, truly is, dude. Like, uh, you know, he's one of those officers that would inspire me to actually get my family up and go work with the guy. Like, no bullshit. He inspires me that much to get better, to to be better. You know, he has about two years on me, I think. uh, Well, well, maybe about three years, three or four years longer than I have in law enforcement. But holy smokes, dude, that guy is just, he's inspirational, man. Truly is. He's humble. He's just good, dude. Good at his job, man. He loves he loves law enforcement. He loves the profession. Uh, we him and I had a lot of talks, a lot of text messages with what I was yeah. going through. Very inspirational, yeah. Um, and a good dude. But going back before we started this recording, you and I were saying, "Man, how much has changed since April to now?" When we did your two episodes, dude. life has just the profession has turned like on its head. Yeah. In the last like couple of months, man, yeah. and fans were reaching out. Um, they loved your episode. You have been responsible for probably conservatively at least five hundred to a thousand interdict drug interdictions across the United States because of those episodes that you did. Awesome, bro. People were reaching out, and they were like, "Yeah." Can you send Mike a message for me? I did exactly what he said. I used to hide behind a tree. And, and try and run radar that way. And now I just do it right in the divider and I look them right in the eyes and I could see the, the deceptiveness. It yeah. was a little, little thing that you gave that, that really, really helped these folks, man, especially the new officers. You know, man, and that, that tells me something, uh, Nick, it tells me something big, man. It's like, um, dude, we as law enforcement professionals, it tells me that there's like, there, there has to be a disconnect somewhere, bro. Like really, I mean, truly, uh, you know, every criminal interdiction conference I've attended, every criminal interdiction conference I teach at, dude, that is like just a common practice, right, for us. Yeah. So so where's the divide? Where are these teams that have criminal interdiction units not talking and teaching the 
officers that are on on the beat, you know, still working the streets, still out there hunting criminals, going call to call, doing that type of work, right? So there's this like a little disconnect, dude, and I see it way too often in law enforcement, right? Where we're put in this position, like like I am, right? Like criminal addiction wise, uh, where yeah, am I am I a spoiled cop? Absolutely, bro. Yeah, I've, I've been a spoiled cop for the last 15, 15 years. Yeah, you know, I have my own take home car. Nobody else uses my unit. Uh, I get all the tools I want, um, vacation I want, weekends off if I want. I have unlimited overtime. That's like every cop's dream, bro. Yeah, right. Yeah. It truly is, man. But two things here. One. I don't think younger officers realize the sacrifice that some of us, now I'm not saying all of us, bro, because you and I both know there's some kiss asses out there who don't deserve to be in the positions they're in. It's law enforcement wide, man. It's not just in my career field, but dude, there are some dudes out there that will kiss ass to get in a position like this. Right. And everybody knows that guy though, because he's a guy that doesn't produce shit, but somehow still stays on the team. Yes. Right. I mean, dude, every agency has everyone. But the biggest issue for me and the biggest disconnect for me, bro, personally, is when I see these guys come to the units like mine and just like forget about their previous life as a patrol officer. Like, bro, you're still a cop. I don't give a shit what your special job title is. You're a cop. Plain and simple, dude. At the end of the freaking day, you are a five, man. That's it. Right? So if the call comes out, active shooter, what do you say? Well, I'm a criminal addiction officer. I don't think I want to make that call. Bullshit. Yeah, that's your job, bro. Gotta go. So that disconnect for me is is huge, and I see it all the time, and I've seen it throughout the agencies, bro. We're not grooming our officers. Instead, we talk shit to our officers. We tell these guys, "Hey, man, well, I got weekends off. I got this, and I got that." Right? But think about this officer, man. Like you have the opportunity right now. This kid's coming to you. He's he's starting a conversation. He's a young officer, right? You have the opportunity, bro, to groom this guy to get better. So when you and I spoke on the podcast, you know, that was my opportunity to give just a little nugget to some of these guys out there that don't have the opportunities um, or have the contacts, bro, to get out there and and learn something, man. You know, uh, plain and simple, bro, we need to keep our officers educated, man. Like we have to reach across the freaking line, dude, of of whatever separation line it is. I don't know, agency-wide or whatever. But this bullshit of like separation because I'm this specialized unit, I'm this specialized unit, bro, that shit needs to stop, bro. We need to start teaching our guys, man. Yeah, and I think more than ever with the amount of mass exodus of senior officers that are leaving, they are leaving with enormous amount of knowledge and experience and shame on you for not passing that on. Where, where, where? Why aren't you passing your legacy on? That's right. Like one of my biggest regret. No, I don't have a regret when it comes to that, because I always tried when I was a sergeant and when I was a senior officer, I always tried to instill and push uh, my my knowledge or my failures. That was a big thing for me. I always pushed my failures. Yes, dude. And and, yes. and and other supervisors and commanders would be like, why do you always tell people about all the shit that you fucked up? And I go. Well, it's because I don't want them to fuck up. I don't want them to go. I don't want them to turn around and take their shirt off and see all the lashings that that like a ha- like how many I have from all the stupid dumb shit that I did when right. I was younger. And you, that's what you want as a mentor. And we're not seeing that right now with the current climate with anti police and defunding police. 
we're more seeing like retreating and hiding and not doing enforcement, which is just sad, which is sad. And, you know, we're seeing high homicide rates now. We're seeing high shootings now. And nobody's getting guns and drugs off this. I don't want to say nobody, but a good portion of our good, hardworking. Officers. Yeah, your, your proactive policing, bro, is just like we've pushed to the wayside, man. Oh my and, and it's not just because of administrators solely. It's because of the fear of punishment, bro. Yes. Right? That's yes. exactly what it is, man. And, and that's, that's awful, dude. It, it is because I think a lot of officers have lost faith in the departments that they work for, that they have their back. Like, I remember coming into this profession and my second agency that I left in April, I remember saying, you know, at least I know that they have my back. If I got yep. into shooting, I know that they have my back. Yep. Those takes are gone. Those yep. T- they're going to take 10 steps away from you. Yeah, we, my former agency just had an officer who had a uh, use of force. They hung this kid out to dry. Wow. They arrested him. They plastered his mugshot in the paper. And the investigation wasn't even concluded. And it's just, I think that's the way that we're going in this profession. And it's sad. It's sad because... Folks like you are bagging tons and tons of drugs that are coming through and drugs just ruin, just ruin lives. I mean, it's, I mean, you could speak to it more than anybody, the amount of drugs that you wind up seizing. You know, I was, um, I got to testify, uh, about a year and a half ago, Washington, uh, with the DEA's general counsel on, uh, the the national license plate reader program. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a bunch of uh, civil rights complaints and whatnot about the it's use a hot of topic. Oh, dude, huge! So much so that they uprooted the program and they put it in El Paso at the Epic, uh, the El Paso Intelligence Center. You know, uh, but, but but you know we're there and and uh, the director said something pretty cool, dude. Uh, and, and he's absolutely right. Is that you can trace almost every violent crime back to drugs in some way, bro? Yeah. Right. Whether home invasions, people breaking into people's houses to steal their shit, the pawn to do what? To go feed their drug addict, right? To rips. We see rips all the time, dude. You go down to like the border area of Texas, dude, they're freaking ripping loads from dudes, you know, home invasions to rip 100 pounds of weed or whatever. Jesus. You know, then we had one last night in Corpus, a home invasion where a guy got shot. Theft, right? He don't want to tell what the guys were there to steal, but. You know, man, just simple things like that, bro. We can tie all that shit back to, to drugs. And I'm not saying every single crime, but I'm saying the vast majority of crimes in the United States can be tied that, you know, back to that freaking crime. Um, and it's a shame that we're not grooming our officers and, and you know, especially the senior guys, uh, grooming those officers, man, and teaching these guys. Just those little, those little tidbits of information, Nick, like, bro, be out there. Be, be seen, man. Be seen, right? Because you're, you're trying to ramp up behavior, right? Um, just like, you you know, like you were saying, the, 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 the cops out there working radar, right? You're, you're hidden behind a bush. Why, bro? Get out there and be seen. You want to prevent crime? You put a uniform on a freaking corner in a, in a marked police car. Yeah. That prevents crime. Yeah. That by itself prevents crime, right? An officer, uh, one of my old FTOs, Nick, told me a long time ago, he's like, hey, bro, uh, so we're passing by um, – Go through an intersection. This lady, she doesn't have her seatbelt on. And um, as she sees my patrol car, what does she do? She gets her seatbelt. She puts it on, right? So I flip her out. I'm going to write her a ticket. My FTO looks at me. He's like, bro, what's your job out here? 
And I, and I said, you know, take care of the public and safety and blah, 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 the bullshit cop answer. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, uh, he's like, is it, is that, is that your job? Right. He said, public safety is your job when you're out working traffic. Right. I said, absolutely. Right. Did you enforce the law right there? Yeah. Huh. So why are you going to give her a ticket? Yeah. Message, message, message. Did your job. Yeah. Yeah. And I, right. you know, I was a firm believer in that when I did traffic stops, 99% of the time I let people off on warnings because for me, and this goes for me too, when I'm off duty, now that I'm not law enforcement, now it's even more prevalent, which is, is when I get pulled over off duty, it scares the shit out of me. And I was a cop. I'm one of them. And that message that they give is more scary than a ticket for me to appear in court or p- to prepay it. You don't yes. need to write me a $50 ticket. I got the message. That's right. Slow the fuck down. Yes. Yeah. Not, listen, asterisk. Uh, I, it doesn't mean that I speed all the time. Wink, wink. It just, I just use that as an example. Okay. No, and, and you're right, bro. And dude, we, uh, Rebecca and I and our, and our little girl, Sophia, we, we had, uh, we left Corpus Christi when the last hurricane hit, right? It was coming dead center into Corpus, dude. So we sealed up our house, dude, got off duty and went down to the valley to go uh, drink beer and watch Conor McGregor fight uh, Floyd Mayweather. And uh, no way I'm missing that fight, hurricane or not, bro. I'm going to get shit faced and I'm watch that fight. So we did, right? We, we went down like the border area. My cousin's an ice agent down there. So we went and stayed with his family for the weekend, man. And uh, we had just bought, uh, my wife had just bought a, a Mercedes E350. Oh. Yeah, that thing moves, bro. So I was driving, and we're coming back home on a Sunday. And, dude, we were like so in conversation. I didn't know I was speeding, right? Until I see a state trooper, right? Lights me up. Dude, I was going 95, right? In the 75. If, if you ever, like, ride along with me or just roll, dude, I drive like a freaking old lady, straight up. I drive, like, slow all. Bro, like, if there's a pursuit going on, like, dudes will never jump in the unit with me to go go help out. They're like, bro, we're never going to get there, man. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, let's say there's two cop cars, right, side by side. And I can have, like, the baddest race cop car in the world. Right, <laughs> and like just a piece of shit, like ninety six Crown Vic. Right, like, they're gonna jump in the Crown Vic with the other guy because they know that that dude's definitely gonna beat me there. Right, so I'm like that guy, dude. And what made it even worse, bro, is a guy that pulled me over as a friend of mine. No, <laughs> yeah, dude, and he's a friend that I I respect, bro. Like I I respect this guy, and I just felt like shit. But you know what? Didn't give me a ticket. He's like, bro, you're hauling ass. And, and that right there, a friend telling me, you know, hey, you fucked up, dude. You're going fast, man. Yeah. yeah. Right? I should know better. Right? So, yeah. The, get it. Message fucking. Yeah, but you know what? It. I also discovered um, being a cop and getting pulled over by other cops. You can see why that some civilians have an issue with police. Oh, dude. Without a doubt, yeah. bro. Without a doubt, yes. I'm not infuriate you when you get pulled over by by an asshole. By a yeah, by the biggest yeah. contempt of cop asshole. Like it's a personal thing for this guy, dude. dude I was. I'll tell you this very brief story. Yeah. I was by my mom's house and uh, I left her house. It's pouring rain. It's a four way stop. Nobody's out. It's I thought like, you were raised by wolves, dude. <laughs> it looks like it with my beard, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
I'll be plugging our beard company in a little bit. <laughs> nice. Uh, uh, ferociousbeard.com is where I go for all my beard needs. And uh, while I'm doing this interview, I enjoy a good Peacemaker Coffee. Peacemakercoffeecompany.com is where I love to get my coffee. So I'm... <laughs> <laughs> like, like literally dying. Nice, nice segue, bro. <laughs> like I like it. Um, so it's pouring rain. It's like two o'clock in the morning. I'm on my way back from my from work. Four way stop. Totally didn't stop at the stop sign because there's nobody out at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. I look up and there's blue and red lights. And uh, <laughs> and first of all, it's pouring rain out, so you know it's got to be a rookie that's pulling somebody over. And oh, without a doubt, dude. I would yeah. never. I'd be in a fucking parking lot catching up on like fucking something. Like, yeah, I'd hit my red and blues. Yeah, Once they see me, turn them off. Go yeah, back to the Netflix, right? Yeah, my Mike, he comes out with his full rain gear and his eight point hat with the with the fucking rain protector on top. And he comes up to my you window. You knew you were screwed, bro. Yeah, and I and he goes, uh, "There was a stop sign back there." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I know." And he's like, "You just don't stop for it." And I'm like, "It's two o'clock in the morning. Nobody's out." And he's like, "I'm out." Damn. Oh, uh, okay. And he's like, uh, "He goes, you know, that's how accidents happen." I go, "I thought you had to have two cars have an accident, brother." Okay. Oh, okay. And he's like, license and registration. I was like, and I do the normal cop thing. I'm like, hey, I'm armed. I'm just coming back from work. I work for police department. And he's like, so you should know better. Oh, no. You got that guy? I'm like, come on. And he took my shit and went back to the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like the biggest dick move when you come over another cop. I I got got a bigger, I can't say, but I got a bigger, I guess, dick move. Go ahead. <laughs> Finish yours, bro. So what do you do? You know, he comes back and he's like, I should really write you. And I go, okay. What have you been doing, dude, this whole time? It was like 20 <laughs> minutes. Like, it was 20 yeah. fucking minutes. I'm tired. And I have to work the same night. I was oh. like, I was like, come on, man. And he's like, you stop at these stop signs. And I go, okay. All right. I got it. Okay. And then like he just like drove around me. Oh, like, dude. Yeah, yeah, bro. Uh, dude, so <laughs> uh, Rebecca and I, uh, man, I was on uh, mid-deployment leave from uh, from Iraq, right? And I'm, I come home, dude, and Rebecca and I, we get two weeks to hang out. Uh, man, it's a great time, right? Well, she used to work for Safariland, the law enforcement equipment company. Um, and, and so she was, the day that I was flying back to Baghdad, right, she's flying out of the same exact airport to Australia to go work. She had to go size like 3000 female officers over there, um, for their body armor. And, uh, so we're in our Tahoe driving to the airport together. I'm in my military uniform. Rebecca's crying, right? Cause we're about to be apart again and we're not really going to be able to talk. Time zones are going to be completely fucked. Right. Um, so she's crying, dude, one paying attention. We're talking. And uh, I get pulled over by uh, a law enforcement officer. I'm not going to say what agency, but a uh, law enforcement officer, right? And uh, this dude gets down. I'm in my uniform. I'm flying to Baghdad, bro, like going back to the war zone. And, uh, yeah, he comes up and he's like, man, are you okay? 
I'm like, ma'am, what the fuck about oh, me? Like, yeah, yeah, like I'm putting an ass whooping on her. I'm like, yeah, you don't know my wife. There's no way in hell I'm putting an ass whooping on this. <laughs> right? If anything, I'm going to be the guy who ended up with black eyes and stuff. So, um, yeah, bro. And she's like, yeah. She's like, yeah, we're just not going to see each other. He's he's going back to Iraq. I'm going to Australia. He's like, well, you were speeding. I was like, yeah, bro, I'm, I'm sorry, man. Like, I'm really, really sorry, dude. I, you know, we're just conversation, man. I'm going back. I really don't want to go back. You know, my wife's got in Australia, blah, blah, blah. Let me see your driver's license insurance, right? I'm like, okay, cool. So he gets my shit, man. And, um, dude, he, oh, what the hell is he? He starts lecturing me on speeding, right? And, oh, I did have a gun on me. I was like, hey, bro, just get his up. I have a weapon in. And center console. I was like, why? I said, well, my real day job, I'm a cop, right? And um, he asked me where. Tell him. Uh, he gives me this long fucking lecture, bro, about speeding and speeding. And I'm like, look, man. Uh, I got to go like we got to get to an airport right now. I, I understand, you know, what you're doing, but and, and this is me being a dick like, bro, when I have been pulled over, I am the nicest, kindest guy in the world. But now I know why people get freaking pissed. Right. Like, yeah, dude, this dude was a total dick. Like just like like we needed this lecture right now. I, I get it. I get it. I was speeding and I just looked at this guy and I said, you know what? Write me a fucking ticket or a warning, but get me the fuck out of here. I don't need your lecture. That was it, dude. <laughs> he, grabs yeah. it, he grabs my shit, walks back to his car. Yeah. And again, sits in his car. So it's going through all this shit. Comes back with a written warning, bro. Come on. Yeah. Well, probably because he thought you were going to make a complaint. Came That's back with a written freaking warning. That's dude. a CYA. Bro, I just looked at him. I'm like, really, bro? Like, no wonder. It's no freaking wonder, right? Um, you know, Nick, and it's, it's, I'm going to segue real quick in a section of my class. So I, was, I just finished up. Uh, so right now, obviously, because of COVID, we're not traveling uh, teach, right? All these conferences are being shut down. Classes are being canceled. Um, yeah, yeah, dude. So so what I opted to do is uh, just to continue the education for officers, right? Look, bro, am I into getting rich? I charge $15 per class. Yep. I'm not in to get rich, man. I just truly give a shit about helping these guys out. That's my motivation. Like no bullshit. That is it, dude. Yeah. I married a I married a white girl, dude. I'm set with money. We're good, man. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> she's yeah. the real breadwinner. Oh, dude. Yeah, without a doubt, right? Uh, so <laughs> I am, bro. Oh yeah, and uh, trust me, I am. And uh, so yeah, bro. I uh, you know. Decided to make it obviously um, uh, very cost effective for, for the student. You know, uh, normally we pay, you know, a student pay like $200 to go to a class for two days, right? So what we've done is we've done $15, and $15 uh, a webinar. And we just, we're, so what I do is every two weeks I do one on behavior analysis. And the following week is, is concealments and stuff like that. We just finished up um, part of, a, but I, I built this, 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 uh, this process called READY, R-E-D-E, right? And it's for me, the way I developed it is I looked at all of my traffic stops where I've had successive failure on on the highways in criminal addiction. Right. And what I did, Nick, is is I went through my videos, dude, and I saw a lot of the commonalities and the procedures and steps I took. Right. And then I really started to educate myself, dude, on, uh, you know, just human behavior, man. Like I got way deep into this, man. It's what we do. It's what we do. It's what drives every decision we make in law enforcement. Right. Am I going to continue to talk to this person 
or am I just going to cut them loose? Do I think they have dope or do they not, right? Your questions and their responses are going to be what's going to take you to the next level. So we just finished up uh, the R in ready is rapport, right? Building rapport. And the one thing that I talk about, man, um, the one human need that everybody has to have to have effective human communication is a feeling of safety, right? You're not going to want to talk to somebody that just makes you feel all kinds of fucked up. Yeah, You're not, dude. This is not going to happen. Now, if you look at all of my videos, my traffic stop videos, I sit 100 percent of the people that I pull over sit in my police car with me. No bullshit. While I do my interview. There's a lot of reasons for doing that. Right. But think about this, bro. I just pulled somebody over traffic violation. I've sat up in a police car, taken them out of their car, sat them in a police car, and then I've gotten them to confess their sins, bro. Mm -hmm. How do you get there? Right. Well, I'll tell you how you don't get there. You don't get there by being an asshole cop. Yeah. Plain and simple. That's we a good strategy. Yeah. I like it, that. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. But, but it takes a lot of you getting rid of this cop ego bullshit, right? Mm -hmm. This, this is my highway type attitude. This is my streets. This is my stop sign. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Get rid of that bullshit and just be a human being for God's sakes, man. Yeah. The biggest problem in law enforcement, right? is the individual officer who doesn't know how to switch it off, yeah. who can't freaking find a way to humanize the badge. Yeah. That's the biggest problem, bro. We fix some of those issues. And guess what, man? We, at the ground level officer, we can change the face of law enforcement, man. If we just, one, I guess, have the, the ability to be able to do that through some of our supervisors, because you know some supervisors – like, hey, man, let's go out there and crack some skulls tonight. You're like, all right, whatever, right? Or we can just say, let's get out there and let's do our jobs effectively. Right. Right. And the third part, which is is that supervisor's like, don't make any work for me. And then yeah. That's, that's yes. the point where you're like, fuck, I can't do anything tonight. I can't do shit tonight. I can't be proactive, fuck. right? Instead of saying, you know, like, let's go out there. Let's fucking hit it hard, man. Yeah. Be safe and be and safe the right way. You know, dude, my way. I was talking to, uh, to some friends of mine recently, just went, got, got signed up on a new interdiction team, right? And we're talking about some of the goals that were laid out for him, mm -hmm. right? Supervisor pulls him in. He's like, you know, hey, we've got these goals. We're going to meet these, this many loads, this many this, this many this. Okay. Here's a problem I have with that. And this is the example that I use, bro, is um, the, the team that we built. Uh, so, I, so I was with the task force at one time, right? Um, and, and so I've, I've, this has been in my career, bro. But I got brought in by the district attorney here in Corpus Christi to develop and start this team, write the policies, all this stuff, right? So, so that's what I've done. And um, after my first year uh, of having this team and, and working along with these guys, now keep in mind, Nick, there's never been a team like this in, in for the district attorney's office, right? So what we've done is we've taken officers from other agencies and we've blended them, right? And, and But we're getting guys, bro, who have never done this job full time. Wow. Never. We throw them out to Highway 77, which is one of the hardest highways in the United States to work as a criminal addiction officer because of the amount of drugs, because of the level of competence in the smuggler, right? And we tell these officers who have never worked this highway, go out there and be successful. Yeah, go get a lot of drugs. That would be like me being a cop, that, and I haven't worked DUIs in probably 15 years, right? Going to work for Dave and Dave telling Mike, I want you to meet my numbers. 
Yeah. What? Jesus. I'll, I'll meet your numbers, but I'll probably never get a conviction, right? Because yeah, I'm yeah. so freaking off on SFSTs. Yeah. I smell alcohol. Right? I'm arrested. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do like, do jumping jacks. You five, yeah, you failed, right? That's my SFSD. Hey, hold on. Right? We're, we're going to take a, uh, a really, really quick break, and we're going to come right back with Mike. Uh, Got it. Hold that thought. Hey folks, I'm so excited about this brand new sponsor, Ferocious Beard Company. This company is fantastic. They have a lot of great assortments of beard wax, wash, and oils. They've got apparel, they've got soaps, they've got a whole bunch of different things. Go to ferociousbeard.com, use promo code ROLLCALLROOM, and you get 20% off. I absolutely love their products. I'm telling you, I've used a lot of different beard products. Mike and I have been searching for a beard company for a long time as a sponsor, and we finally found the best company out there, which is Ferocious Beard Company. And they're out of uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. Go on ferociousbeard.com, use promo code Roll Call Room, and you get 20% off. And put them in control. All right, folks, we are back from break. Thanks for tuning in. With me is Mike Tomas from 720 Interdiction. Uh, Mike was talking about um, joining the team for the first time. Yeah, so, um, you, you know, dude, and I'm not telling anybody out there how to run your teams or um, what your standards should be, um, but here's the deal. You know, Nick, what we're talking about is is we take an officer dude, who had, doesn't have that skill set yet, right? Who, who might have that skill set? Who might am I in my arena, right? Who might have hit a few lows, bro? But does that make him competent? No, no, dude, no way, man. Right? I think the day that that you feel that competent to know where you can never learn and you are just God's gift to whatever the hell job you do. That's the day you need to tap out, bro, because you're a danger to everybody else. Yeah, right. Yeah, and and you you. Yeah, you have no worth to that agency anymore or that unit, right? So so um, after a one year, man, Mark, of, of starting this team, uh, the news came and interviewed me, right? They wanted to hear about the success stories and whatnot. So do what? Was that no, Fox News? No, no, Fox News was, it was That was later on, Hollywood? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's when you know you hit it big, man. <laughs> when you get 15 seconds on Fox News. <laughs> I'm never going to let you live that down. <laughs> you can call my agent, bro, but uh, he's probably drunk right now. <laughs> yeah, dude. So, um, so, so the newscaster, right, this, this news reporter, she opens up. The first question, bro, she asked me out the box. Did they meet your expectations? Mm. Now, think about that, man. Right away, that tells me, right, that she believes that I had expectations. Right? Or quota. Our quota, our goals, or something, right? Yeah. And here was my response, ma'am. If they would have hit one load this year, they would have surpassed my expectations. Yeah. She just looked at me puzzled, and I said, "Well, here's the deal. This is the hardest highway, man, in, in this entire area to work because there's just so much drugs and money and weapons and illegal and smuggling going on in here. 
the, our, our, our smugglers are just next level smugglers, right? The, some of them, not all of them. There's some that are just incredible smugglers, bro. You're taking a cop with very little experience in this arena and you're telling him, go out there and be successful. I'll tell you what you're doing is you're, you're setting them up for failure. Instead, spend that first year working side by side, teaching these guys, right? Helping them build their confidence and encouraging them. Not freaking setting goals and saying, you're going to get out there, you're going to do this, 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 this. Now all you've done is push this guy to be so far away from what he really intended to do at this job, and that's to be effective. Now you've given him this, this is what you're going to work toward, right? You're going to get out there, you're going to get hit lows, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. Well, how does this officer feel, bro, if he doesn't meet those goals? Like a failure. Yeah. And that's bullshit. Yeah. That's bullshit, bro. Instead, let's get out there. If you're a supervisor, listen to me very carefully, right? If you're a supervisor and you truly want to have success, get out there and encourage your people. Yes. Yeah, you can ride their asses. Sure, man. But teach. Get out of the fucking office. Yes, bro. Let me tell you something, man. You can ask 100% of the guys that I've worked around. And they will tell you, man, that I am the last one to get off my back searching a car. doesn't matter where we are, how hot it is, how uncomfortable we are. I'm the last one to eat, right? I'm the last one to get out from underneath that vehicle, and I'm out there working side by side with these guys. You it know, means a lot to uh, all you know, of us. Well, you know what's funny about that, Mike, is, is I used to come in when I was a sergeant. I would come in an hour early on my own time, get all my administrative paperwork done for roll call. I would do roll call. I would go into my office and wait five minutes for any officers that wanted to come and talk to me privately with any issues that they were having. I would grab my go bag, my book bag, and I was out the fucking door and I was passing my subordinate in the hallway and I was going, I'll see you out there. I'll see you out there. I'll see you out there. I always hit the street first before my guys because I wanted them to know the importance of me going out there before them. And if a call was on the screen, I get on the radio and the supervisor's call call sign was 305. I would go 305, send me that domestic. And that sent a message through, Hey, Sarge is out there fucking handling calls. We got to get our fucking ass moving and get out there. We're not going to let him do our fucking job. And that's how you lead from the front. Are we seeing that now? The answer to that is no. We're not seeing that. We're seeing more of like Mahogany Fridays where all the doors are closed and they're in there playing fucking solitaire and yeah. fucking doom and whatever else. How do you have. expect these guys, man, to want to achieve if you're just going to sit on your ass and do absolutely nothing, right? In my job, it's just sit in a meeting and watch cars go by, right? How, how do you expect them to do that? Like, like if somebody's having problems, man, dude, instead of just ripping their asses, call them in and go over their traffic stop videos with them. Yeah. And talk to them about their strategy. Right. Educate them. Send them to freaking training. Let them right? fail forward first. Dude, my entire, um, I guess the entire foundation of my company, man, 720, um, is built 100% on failure. Mm-hmm. If all I taught you was success, be a freaking one hour PowerPoint. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's it. That's it. Be highlights. That's it. But what about the times that I failed? What about the times I failed in court, right? What about all those failures, man? Well, if all we're telling these guys is, look, man, you do this, 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 dude, you're going to be successful all the time. 
And they go out there and they're doing this, 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 and they're not being successful, right? All we've done, all we've done is tell this guy you're incompetent. I've given you the tools and you just can't apply them. You're incompetent, right? Right. But instead, like in my job, you need to realize, man, that it takes some time to groom an officer to do this job. Absolutely. Right? It does, dude. It does. You can't give up on them. You can't, bro. You know, I, I'll draw from experience. I had this officer who got assigned to me and he was labeled a quote unquote troubled officer. And the guy just always, he was like a teabag. He was always in hot water. And, you know, he would always like patrol on the gray area, like not black and white, but in the very gray area. And I, my peers, my sergeants, my fellow sergeants would be like, you know, we just got to document him and get to get him the fuck out of here. Like, he's, he's just got to fucking go because he's a problem. And I go, well, here's the thing is, we want one of them who is he's at least trying. All we have to do is mold him and mentor him. And he's going to be a fucking rock star. Or do we want 10 lazy fucks that don't even want to do anything? And like, well, he's a problem. You know how much work that's going to take to fucking straighten them out yeah that's why we have stripes on our fucking shoulder yeah. that's why we're fucking uh, imagine we're, that that's your job that's your fucking job it's yeah. your job isn't just to, to do roll call and then go get coffee and chipotle and then sit in your office all fucking day yeah. it's mentoring and that's a that's a dirty word now mike dude mentoring. It, it it is man and i think we got it just so just fucking backward bro like, like I see it straight up, bro. Like, like it's going to get worse, Mike. You, you know what, whatever happened to the times, dude, when one of your guys, right. It, it's, I don't know, his, his wife's birthday. Mm-hmm. Right. Think about how much it would mean, dude. If when he goes to work, there's a, a, a happy birthday card with the gift card in it mm-hmm. from you and your wife as a leader, as a supervisor, right? Yeah. Something simple like that. Or maybe a phone call that says, hey, uh, hey, man, I know it's your wife's birthday today. Please start a happy birthday from, from our family, man. Yeah. Or, or hey, do you have enough leave you want to take today off? I'm, there you I'm, go. I'm not, I'm not staff, but you know what? I'll make it work. You, you become the work. anomaly, bro, when you do something like that, man. You know, that, was my, that was my I, dream. As If I got promoted as a lieutenant before I, I was forced yeah. out of my agency, that was one of the things that I really wanted to harp on was family, mental health, and, and just mentorship because it's dying in our profession bro this job is tough man it, and it's gotten i feel so i don't want to say sorry for your our younger officers i don't yeah. feel sorry for it man i just think that it's policing is drastically going to change obviously I um think so. i think we're going to have a drug war i i definitely think we're going to have a drug war i think dude. we're going to see the 90s again i think we're going to see <clears throat> i think we're going to see a homicide war uh, we already are. I mean, Chicago over 70, weekend. 70 shootings this past weekend or something like that. Children got killed. Yeah. Over the Children, man. And, and, and I just watched the video before I came on to do your interview. There was this anti-cop protest. Uh, shots fired, ring out. People are shot. The police show up. They don't want them there. They're telling them to get the fuck out of there. So, like, you can't win. Like, we're in a no-win situation. We have no politicians that are standing up that are saying this has got to stop. Uh, like that Chop Chaz crap where they took over seven blocks. 
<laughs> me, me, me and Mike did a fucking hilarious episode on that. And, um, you know, they held on to that for fucking weeks. Week. Bro. Week. Dude, God almighty, bro. What a shit show. That was. And, and shame only, on the city leadership, bro. For and and the only reason why she, the mayor broke that down was is because they, they formed a protest and marched to her fucking house. And then the next day she signs a fucking executive order. So that's it. I was, I was, dude, I was just about to say that, man. You know, that politics will come into play when it becomes personal for some people. Yes. Yes. When it becomes personal. Oh, then it's a problem, man. Right. What a problem. They're kicking out somebody else's freaking doors doing home invasions, but let them do it to your daughter and see what happens. But you know, the thing is, is politics and politics and policing has always been there, but it always has been below policing. Politics has been below policing. And now the roles have reversed. The only thing that I can hope from this whole entire anti-cop movement and politics and policing is that policing will change for the better in a couple of ways, which is these ridiculous laws that we're forced to um, um, enforce will go away. We don't want to go out there and enforce some of these stupid ass laws that are still yeah. book, books, but we have to. If somebody calls 911 and they say, hey, um, your neighbor has an open bonfire in their front yard and your municipality has a law against that. We have to be fucking Karen or Ken and go up there and be like, Hey, you got to put it out. And we're the fucking assholes. Yeah. Like, we're the fucking assholes. So my only hope is, is that some of these le legislators look at some of these laws that have been on the books for too long and go, no, we're not doing that. And mental health, mental health has to be taken away from police officers. Yeah. Uh, dude, dealing with, with, yeah, dealing with emotionally disturbed people. Now, apprehending them and taking them to the hospital is where it should end. That's right. The police should not be sitting up at the hospital with a with an emotionally disturbed person for eight or nine fucking hours waiting for a mental um, a mental hospital bed to open up. I hope that 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 changes. And the officer that I'm talking about from my old agency where the department hung him out to dry, that was what, what wound up happening. It was an emotionally disturbed person. They were at the hospital. They were up there for several hours. The guy got froggy and he used the, he used force and they hung him out to dry. Wow. It's sad. sad. Yeah, it is, dude. Um, and I can speak just from the local uh, perspective here. Corpus Christi uh, police, man. And, and the thing about those guys is, you know, uh, because of what I do where I work, right? I have to scan the different district channels and whatnot. And, uh, you know, anytime they do take somebody that, uh, you know, has mental, issue, mental issues, they have a uh, mental officer that will respond to the call and, and take over the call, take priority on call, which is really cool, man. They have mental health units there, actual units, man. That's all they do is deal with those issues all day long, bro. And then that's a great freaking model. Uh, but I'll tell you something, uh, Nick, and this is uh, something that I heard the other day, man. Um, recently, Corpus Christi police, they, they've, they've shot and killed two Hispanic men, right? The reason you didn't really hear much about it is both had weapons, right? And, and it was a deadly force situation, right? They're both good shoots. But um, the second one was, was pretty recent. And, um, and the reason I bring that up, dude, is... Think about the apprehension of police officers right now out there. 
right? Making these calls, wondering if should I pull the trigger, shouldn't I pull the trigger? Yeah. Because I gotta face the backlash, right? Big and, time. and dude, and, and we're we're treated like what? We're treated like criminals, man, the second it happens. Grand jury, yep. Oh yeah, without a doubt, bro. You know, one of the most humiliating things you can do to an officer is do what? Take his weapon away. Mm-hmm. In front of everybody. I've been there. <laughs> in front of everybody, bro. Take his weapon away in front of everybody. Yeah. Right? Right? I was at a conference one time and the chief says, you know, the best thing we can do for guys like that is give them a hug, tell them they're going to be okay, right? Sit them at a patrol unit in the front seat of a patrol unit and get his gun once you get to the station. Yeah. It's not going to leave his freaking holster. Yep. Right? So, um, so, so recently, uh, the second shooting uh, was two detectives and a patrol officer go to a house. They're there to follow up on a homicide, a Hispanic gang member. Um, they go inside. His grandmother lets him in. Of course, he's staying at grandma's house. Grandma lets him in. He's laying on a bed. And this is, and I'm not, I, I don't know if I can give 100% accuracy, but from what's been reported is the guy had his hand under a pillow. Mm. Right? Yeah. So I know the male officer that was there, the male detective, pretty stout dude, man, strong guy, former SWAT guy. Uh, you know, let me see your hands, let me see your hands. And what does he come out with? Fucking gun, dude. Uh. Yep. Yeah. So this officer, my, my buddy pins this dude's freaking arm down, pins the gun down to the bed. And this guy starts blasting, dude. He's trying to hit the cops. So they, they shoot him, drop him, right? He's dead. Killed. The chief of police comes out later on that day. And, bro, let me tell you something, man. Um, I was – I couldn't be prouder to be a cop in this area because of what the chief said. You know, he was a little disappointed that his officers didn't shoot that guy quicker. And you know what he said? He blamed it on what? The current narrative. Yep. He I did. You know, you know what's interesting is <clears throat> when Ferguson happened, a week after Ferguson, my crew, um, I was in the community policing unit at the time we were doing street crime stuff. I was a sergeant. And we got this kid that was trying to work a front door and we thought that he was breaking in. We challenged him. He told us to go fuck off. Um he uh, wouldn't identify it's private property, wouldn't identify luck would have it fight ensues. <clears throat> I'm fighting with this guy. My other two guys are fighting with this guy. He's a squirrely skinny guy. He lands on top of me. Worst situation tactically. And as I'm fighting with him, I could feel him reach down and grab the butt of my gun and trying to rip my gun out. Mm-hmm. And I grab him by the throat because now we're at a situation where, you know, I tighten his arm into my yeah. armpit, the whole shit you learn in the academy, and I got him by the throat. The only thing I'm thinking about at that time was Ferguson. Yeah. I'm thinking about how I'm going to choke this dude out, and I'm going to kill him, and I'm going to get fucking fired. I'm going to get arrested. My family's going to be embarrassed. I'm going to lose my house. I shouldn't be thinking about that shit. I should be worrying about whether or not if that gun comes out, is he going to kill me? Is he going to kill my officers? And with the rhetoric that's going on now, I got to tell you, man, I'm kind of I'm kind of worried about like the statistics of law enforcement officers getting killed or suicides, law enforcement suicides skyrocketing because guys like me that put 15, 20 years into the job, seeing it dismantled the way that it is and all the sacrifice that you gave for those 15 years, all those birthdays that you missed, graduations for what? You know who doesn't see that? Fucking politics. That's right. The state legislators. They don't see that shit. 
I, I, I lobby at the Capitol every year, every legislature. I'm a lobbyist. I, I deal with uh, asset forfeiture lobbying for a, a huge police association. And, dude, I get to see this bullshit. I fucking get to see it, dude. You know, last legislature, check this shit out. There's a freaking uh, uh, Texas rep, right, introduces a uh, body cam bill. He is a guy in Texas that introduced the first body cam bill that made it mandatory for all police officers to take a body cam, right? Why did he do that? Because he's an attorney. He's a defense attorney. And what were his clients telling him? I wasn't in the wrong. The fuck, cops were in the wrong. Cops did this to me. The cops did that. Well, guess what happens when he starts seeing body cam footage? The cops were in the right. Your client just happens to be a shithead. Plain and simple, right? So, dude, last legislature, he introduces a bill that tells you are not ready for this, bro. You are not allowed to review your body cam footage when you write your report. Come on. Yes, dude. I swear to you. Yep. You can't review your body cam footage or another officer's body cam footage. What is happening, man? What? Yeah. Well, he, he figured out that his clients weren't freaking lying or his clients were lying. Cops aren't bad. Well, this guy has to make money, bro. You know, that's what's happening. But the biggest bullshit is it's allowed, right? Like, dude, you should have heard the shit that I had at door up there um, testifying in front of the uh, uh, jurisprudence committee. Bro, this dude tried to, like, no bullshit. It's a really cool video because I shut this dipshit down. The state rep, bro, fucking just did away with this guy quick. He tried to play these freaking lawyer games with me. Yeah. Didn't work out, dude. Did not work out. Tried throwing some bullshit my way about criminal addiction and how we're just out there seizing money, blah, 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 blah. Well, that's because we had eight years. We had eight years of not being able to seize money. We had eight years at the at the very, very top of the pol- political game where I'm, I don't like getting political on the show, but we had a president that was anti uh, yep. asset seizure. That's right. And there were a lot of programs and there were a lot of things that went good that went bye-bye that put a lot of the public at risk because of that asset seizure money. And I'll, I digress for a minute is, is when you yell defund the police, you can't defund them any more than what the fuck they are. Yeah. I'm on asset seizure for a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that we use uh, to solve crimes. Like, you know, these machines that we use to to download computers and stuff. We're going to pay for all that stuff, bro. Pay for that. Like, I know you're a taxpayer, but believe it or not, all not all of your tax money goes towards law enforcement salaries. Actually, a very small portion of it does. And when they're not fucking over the police officers with pay and benefits, yep. they're trying to penny pinch any way that they can. If they can take a cruiser that has 150,000 miles on it and they can stretch that for another two years to save $10,000, they're going to fucking do that. At the safety of our officers. You're damn right. Because absolutely in that car, the airbags have expired three years ago. Yep. We'll still keep it on the fucking road. See, I, Mike, now now I got to take my blood pressure medicine. See what you did? You did dude. Man, I'll tell you what, bro. And I, I have face set the majority of my career, bro. Like, no bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. uh, dude, I did a uh, an NPR, yeah, NPR interview uh, back in 08. They came and uh, rode with me for a few days. NPR. And uh, their mission, their mission, highway robbery. What? That's what they're going after is cops seizing poor people's money, man. Poor people's money. Oh, yeah, dude. Trust me. 
Uh, now, and I'll just say this. Let me just let me just say this. Is there some bullshit cases across the country? Yeah, there's some bullshit cases. Yeah, there there's some cops out there that'll fucking take you know this poor Mexican guy who works up in uh, I don't know Minnesota, you know, picking fruit, whatever the fuck, right? These these, these people they don't have banks, they don't have all this shit. So when we see them down here going south, right, they'll hide money in their boots. They're dude. It's common to find these guys like fifteen thousand dollars in cash in their fucking boots because they know, bro. They know that the second they cross into Mexico, somebody's gonna try to rip their shit. Yeah, yeah. The Mexican police will steal their shit. So what do they do? They hide it from us. The culture is different. We as police officers need to understand that culture. We've got to get educated with that culture, right? So I pull them over and I see that it's no big deal to me, bro. But you have no fucking clue, dude. How many cops have taken some money like that? And I've tried to fucking write the reports, fabricate cases, manufacture a case when there is no case. Sad right? And say this is drug money. So what NPR was doing is they were there because I had just seized like $1.3 million in cash out of a, a, a Range Rover. Had a compartment, but he also had guns. He also had ammo. And he debriefed and said, yeah, it's drug cartel money. Right? This guy debriefed to 13 trips, bro, with over a million dollars. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the Gulf cartel. Okay, so they were saying that that is there was a lot of parity between that and what other cops are doing, and of course I threw up the bullshit flag, um, and my boss did as well. Thank God, dude, my boss had a pair, man, because he stood up to these people from NPR. It's like I'll tell you what, I'll do you one better. A hundred percent of the people that we take money from, we place in jail because we build criminal investigations on these people. We don't pull them over just to take the freaking money, man. Right, right. We're taking money away from the drug cartels. That's our job. And I'll do one even better. I'll open up 100% of my cases that have already been adjudicated to you to look at. Oh, yeah, dude. He went down that road with NPR. Their vote with me completely changed the fucking way they thought about things, dude. No bullshit. They saw me trying to go above and beyond, bro. You know, and that's the way it should be, right? That That's the standard we should have. And when it's done right, it's a great freaking thing. Asset forfeiture is great, bro. But I will say there's some officers that, eh, stretch it, right? Right. And, and, and the problem is, and this is the problem, we went to the, when we had our last legislative session, that was the issue that was brought up. But, but here's the deal, man. Don't punish the good guys for doing shit the right way, right? And you see that across the country, right? That's happening to officers everywhere. Right. We're punishing policing as a whole, right? Instead of the individuals that maybe need to be punished. And I'm not saying these officers that have recently been involved in these use of force issues need to be punished because there is a freaking good, good freaking use of force issues. I'm saying good for the good guys. Right. Right. I mean, I'm not going to get into the whole political spectrum, but if you take my taser, you're going to have some big issues if you shoot it at me. I promise you. Right. Right. There's not going to be hesitation in old Mike's language. Well, that. That case, probably is not going to be very much language. That case, that much. Yeah, I could tell you that case is going going absolutely nowhere. Yeah, it, it, but dude, it goes back even to my arena, man. You you punish the officer that's doing the right thing because other dudes fucked it all up, right? So when we went to the legislature, that's one thing that I brought up. The law is written perfect. Yep. We get fucked up with the application of the law. Yes. Right, and if you look at it, dude, in hindsight, for us. It's about freaking education, dude. We can fix these issues quick, bro. Yes. Quick with education. But give us the money to do it, dude. Give us the arena. 
and we'll unfuck this. The last thing we need are state legislatures trying to come in and unfucking it for us. Yes. And, and I'm a firm believer in the police reform really isn't at the patrol officer level. The, the police <laughs> reform is at the commander level. Dude, 100% right. And and that's what makes me laugh is all these commanders and chiefs of police that are getting on TV and they're like, yeah, you know, it is time for police reform. Yeah, you know, we're, we're, you know, some of us are still stuck in the 50s. No, motherfuckers, you are. You that's are right. the problem. You that's are right. The problem. What we need is we need chiefs of police that are between the and and I don't, I'm just picking ages between the ages of 35 and 45 with new vision, you know, 21st century policing style techniques that have been out on the street that have worked fucking midnights that know what it's like to be out there by yourself and fuck up and learn from your fuck ups. We don't need 60, 65 year old chiefs of police. Bro. We don't need fucking dinosaurs running police departments anymore. And that's Look, the problem. Every agency that I get to work around, right? It's never a perfect picture. We all know that, right? And a lot of times you get these chiefs. Uh, but I will tell you one experience that is ingrained in my fucking mind, bro. Um, we are dealing with the riot when I was a police officer. Uh, I had just been transferred over to the narcotics section. And uh, there's fucking huge-ass riot cops. Oh, dude, there just wasn't enough of us dealing with a whole shitload of drunk college kids fighting everywhere. Uh, I mean, we're, like, literally throwing fucking fists, dude. There's Everybody's just throwing fists. It's like a big fucking gang fight, right? And I look behind me, dude, and you know who I see taking somebody to the ground? The chief of motherfucking police. Hmm. And guess what? People jumped on his back to hit him. And guess what officers did? They fucking jumped those people right away, got them off of their chief. Bro, when you go down range for your people, mm-hmm. right? When you set an example, you know what, man? Those dudes do anything in the world for you, right? But you don't need them out to fucking stray like that, man. Yeah. You don't fuck them over. You don't go on TV and denounce what they're doing, right? Because you don't know if what they're doing is wrong. Yeah. How many yeah. times have we seen chiefs do that? Yeah. Houston police is dealing with it right now. Like their chief is fucking going on and just doing some radical shit, man. Yeah. And then that's a violent fucking city. I don't see that motherfucker walking to beat with these guys. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a, uh, we're going to take another quick break and then we are going to wrap this bad boy up. Folks, stay tuned. Are you willing to sacrifice your life? Ah! I'm a monster, no good blood sucker. That motherfucker, I'm a losing fuck. Hey, folks, Nick from the Roll Call Room podcast. If you're thinking about buying a house, selling a house, or anything in between, I'd like to introduce you to a great friend of mine, Michelle Merritt. Michelle is a licensed realtor and a former law enforcement officer who just happens to be my old academy partner. After medically recovering from her on-duty injury, she now looks out for her first responder family by walking them step-by-step through the real estate process, all the way through to settlement and beyond. Working with Pearson Smith Realty in Ashburn, Michelle serves clients all over Virginia, First responder incentives are listed on her website at 
Sold with Merit, that's M-E-R-R-I-T-T dot com. Tell Michelle that Nick from the Roll Call Room sent you, and you'll receive a credit of up to $500 on your home inspection. Trust me, folks, Michelle is the way to go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back from break. I am back with Mike Tomas from 720 Interdiction. Yo, yo. Uh, enjoying my uh, beautiful peacemaker coffee um, while we're having this interview and uh, rubbing my beard. And it's so soft from ferociousbeard.com, where you can go to ferociousbeard.com and type in roll call room and save 20%. You happen to put this shit on your chest too? Cause I see you rubbing your chest a lot. Bro. And it's getting a little yeah. weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I use their special one called Havana nights. <laughs> I knew you were yeah. going to be on. So, I think I've um, seen a poor name. Havana I, nights, dude. Maybe. That, that was I knew it. I knew it. Dude, I knew I knew you somewhere yeah. else, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so here's the here's the deal. Uh, I know I know we said in part one there'd be a part two, and then part two we always kind of thought that part three. But I gotta say, I think we gotta ride this out with another one to see how the how we shake out of this, um, this climate right now that we're in, and and. You know, folks that have listened to all of your episodes, you don't need to explain to them that you're you're a very aggressive officer. And aggressive, I don't mean aggressive, like overly yeah. aggressive or do anything wrong. It's just that you set your own work. Like you set the tone for your own day. If I fail, bro, this my climate, fault. Yeah, yeah. And this climate has got to, I mean, with COVID and 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 anti crime, and I mean, a lot of the folks that you're stopping on the interstate are not really anti cop people. They're more scared because they've got kilos of shit or boatloads of money. So, for that part, um, I don't think you're worrying too much. It's the COVID part yes. that I would be concerned yeah, for you, right? Man, a lot of our traffic is is coming uh, from the northern. <laughs> area right even uh for, like from houston i'll just give you an example houston right dude they've had one of the biggest explosions of covid in texas man and uh, we stopped a lot of folks from there so is it a concern yeah i mean it yeah it's obviously a concern now what's the difference for me doing my job and an officer having to take a call at a house for a disturbance call right uh mine's proactive obviously his is reactive and he has to take that call but the shitty thing, Nick, is is I have to come home to a wife and a little girl, and I'm in fear, right? That's the shittiest thing. But then I also have to weigh the balance of, do I got to get out and do my job? Because it's my fucking job. I mean, right? That's my job. How's she taking that? How's she uh, taking it's that? tough, man. Luckily, I, I'm married to just, dude, an, I mean, an incredible woman who 100% is, dude, she is 100% in with what I do. You know, um, right. Rebecca is just... Oh, bro, incredible. Best cop wife ever. Like, I mean, she's the kind of woman, man, that will push me 
when I'm down, I'm just like, oh, fuck, I don't want to get back out there. She's the kind that will be get out there and do your freaking job. Yeah. And we'll, we'll worry about that one later. It's, it's kind of shit. She'll, she's just, she's like that, bro. I mean, she's every cop's dream wife. Right. And I think behind Nick, and I think you'll agree, dude. Like if you look at, and I'm, listen to me, man, I'm not saying I'm successful. I don't know how you rate success as a cop, but I think behind the guys that you look at as successful or that I look at as successful, they have a great home life, dude. Like, right. They go to work with, very little, no concern, right? Because they know that the shit is squared away on the home front. And if it isn't, it'll get squared away. So I think that's a huge, huge part, dude, of, of what we do, not only at work, but how we're influenced from what happens at home. 100%, dude. Yeah. You have to have an outlet now these days. And, and you know, it's one of the things that we do with the podcast is, is that I get a lot, a lot of emails from people that are like, I listen to your thing. I thought I was alone. You know, you feel the same way that I do, you know, and I think more than anything, this anti-cop movement has actually helped our profession in one way, which is, is that nobody's afraid to stand up and talk anymore. Nobody's afraid to turn around and be like, well, I can't me not so much because I'm not tied to an agency anymore. So, I mean, I routinely on a regular basis tell my former chief to go fuck Good. himself. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I enjoy it. It actually, it actually makes me feel really warm and good. Yeah. yeah. When I, do I feel it. warm for you, bro. I like, holding him. yeah, I like holding him accountable. Um, <laughs> I don't have that problem, man. My boss is freaking awesome, dude. So see, and when you have a bro. good boss, I mean, I had a good boss for a long time and, um, yeah. When you have a good boss and, and you know that they have oh, your back, bro. man, you go Absolutely, to the end. But once you know that they are, they're, scumbags it's the worst feeling and it's all when 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 you show somebody bro that you have a hundred percent their best interest in mind dude they'll work their asses off for you bro a hundred percent dude those people will work their asses off for you man no questions asked either absolutely not questions i've worked i've worked for a lot of leaders where they've turned around and they've told me something and after doing it I was like, man, I could have really got jammed up for that, but I trust them. Like, I know that they would have my back. If somebody came up against me and said, you just broke policy, they would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. no, I told him to do that. And I don't know if that's, I think that's going away, man. That's my, that's my supervisor out there. You're listening to this, man. I'll tell you what, you set the tone for your team. A hundred percent. You, you got a shitty attitude. Guess what? Your team's going to have a shitty attitude toward the agency and toward the job that they do. But if you go in there and you set the freaking tone like, you know what, guys, fuck this bullshit that's going on. We can't worry about that right now. There's one thing we can worry about, and that's what goes on right fucking now, right here. And that's it. Right. Right. Uh, bro, you do that, man. These dudes will fuck go to hell and back with you, man. Yeah, I agree. I agree, man. I agree a thousand percent. Um, can I tell you so real quick, Nick? I know we're finishing yeah, yeah, up, man. Go. This is just, it's right along those lines, dude. And it's something that just recently happened. So um, last month I stopped this dude, right? Going southbound. It's, it's uh, or I'm sorry, going northbound on, on 77, right? I stopped him because he was following another vehicle in front of him that was close, like way too close, right? Uh, it was so close. In fact, that when I pulled him over, I, I said, hey, bro, uh, are you following those cars? that car in front of you? No, no, no. The thing is, I recognize this piece of shit immediately. 
And dude, I have like the worst memory mm-hmm. ever, like ever. But the, I the, the reason I recognize this guy, I arrested him 11 years ago with a load of money, dude, in a compartment. Yeah. Ooh. Right. So I know this guy, dude. He didn't recognize me. Right. Probably because I'm all bulked up and muscular now and stuff. But, you know, <laughs> nice tan, muscular thighs. Somehow, yeah, I can't yeah. turn the shit up, Nate. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, bro. So, so he doesn't recognize me. Right. So the car in front of him is a Silverado truck towing a Nissan Juke. Right. Uh, so you better go check your garage. I'm sure somebody stole your shit. Your, <laughs> your Nissan Juke. <laughs> right. So, so. That is that. Either that or your Prius. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> so I, I, do I know. know these things. I'm a cop, dude. I know everything. And um, so so this dude gives me a 100% bullshit story, right? I know what he's about to go do. Fucking guy's a piece of shit. Cut him loose, right? And immediately, like, call our intel guy. Today, Tony, hook me up, man. Let me know what this guy is. So he's like, yeah, bro, here's a list of his license plates. Gives me all his cars, right? So we use license plate reader technology. So what do I do? I put a lookout on the car that I had just stopped, which is a white Dodge truck, right? And lo and behold, dude, I run a vehicle, his first tag that I get under his name from our Intel guy. It's a fucking blue Silverado, dude. It was right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. So it's right in front of him, right? So I'm like, holy shit, this son of a bitch. So I put lookouts on the blue Silverado and the Juke. We're able to get that tag as well. Okay. I put lookouts on both of them, bro. Well, turns out that afternoon, I get home, eating dinner with the family about seven. One of my guys calls, like, hey, bro, I think I just got a, a load of money. Cool. Get my shit on, haul ass back out there, right? Anytime I'm in my patrol car, dude, I have my own standard is that I always am in uniform. If I'm in a police car, I am in full uniform because some shit breaks out. I need to be there to respond to it, right? That's just my personal take. Some folks are different. So I'm in uniform, dude, haul ass out there. And sure enough, we find a compartment in the bottom floorboard of this vehicle and it's loaded with cash. Turns out he's linked to a DEA case out of the valley. So we call the dudes up in the valley like, yeah, we want this guy. He's linked to fentanyl smuggling. Can we go get him? Fuck yeah, come get him. It'll take problem off our hands, right? Well, it takes a while to get there, bro. So about two in the morning, we're still there dealing with this case. Keep in mind, Nick, we've been there working all fucking day. Right? We've been there since 8 o'clock that morning. It's 2 in the morning now, and we're still working this one case. Well, guess what happens, bro? 2.30 in the morning, my license plates come back. He's southbound, the guy that I just had earlier stopped. Uh, southbound. And he's two hours north of us. So by the time he gets to us, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. Right? What do you do? Well, let me tell you how being a good teammate pays off. And a better supervisor pays off. I looked at the guys and we're fucking beat, bro. Like taking apart a compartment is not an easy thing to do, right? It's mechanical. I look at the guys and I said, look, guys, here's the deal. I can get a friend of ours to stop it up north for us. We can get the money later on if he's loaded, whatever. It's not a big deal, right? Or we can do it ourselves. I'm going to leave this up to you. What do you guys want to do? And Nick, 100% of these fucking dudes, 100% like, bro. We're already fucking here. It's our deal. Let's do it. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. That's I said, really? Awesome. I said, guys, it's going to be a long fucking day if it's loaded. We don't give a fuck. Let's do it. That's awesome. Bro, our, day, our day didn't That's end until awesome. 11 the next morning. It was loaded. It was loaded. Damn. Uh, he, so check this shit out. He had 35000 in the compartment. He had a false floorboard in the uh, 
in the Nissan Juke. It was a false floorboard, 35000 okay? Yeah. A week later, I get a call from a friend of mine, DEA. He's like, hey, bro, did you happen to stop this dude and this guy? He's like, yeah, yeah. He was like, did he only have a small amount of money? I was like, yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah. You know why? I said, nah. Because the piece of shit that was supposed to have the rest of the money ready for him, Houston, didn't get it all together. He goes, we just ripped off the other 150 that was supposed to be in there. Yeah, so oh. he's about to have 190000 in that compartment. Damn. Yeah. But was a fucking kick in the nuts is <laughs> they got this dude on a wire, right? That's how they know all this shit. He had 26 keys a Coke inside that Nissan Juke that was right in front of him, dude. So he decoyed the shit out of me going north. Yeah, when I stopped him. So he did his job. He decoyed me off of it, but we got him. But the point of the whole story is, look, man, treat your fucking people right, dude. Take care of your guys. Encourage them. Motivate them. And when they're fucking down, dude, sit them down and find out why the fuck they're down. Don't fucking take them even down, er, 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 right? Sit them down and fucking unfuck it. Make it er, early. Yeah, dude, early. Fix that early, shit. Early. If it's something personal, guess what? That's your fucking obligation as a boss. Take care of that guy or girl. I don't give a fuck if it's personal, man. You That's your job. The job doesn't end just because your fucking shift ends. Understand that. Yeah, I can't. I can't agree with you more than that, man. I mean, get it early. Uh, it's your job. I mean, do you want to be standing over their grave if they take their life? I mean, I just... I don't understand that, man. And and we're at a critical point in our career. And, you know, folks that are out there that have been reaching out to us via email about leaving the profession, you know, try and ride it out as long as you can. We go in waves, uh, but really, really make that decision based on looking at the political climate, what legislation is coming up, how much police work is going to change and whether or not your safety is compromised by politicians. And if your safety is compromised. Um, and you're not going to be able to get home at, you know, after your shift because politicians are making laws that affect your use of force. I'm sorry, that is not okay. And, you know, you got to, you got to weigh the pros and cons. I don't know what your, your situation is. I'm not a financial advisor, but I will tell you that I will never allow a politician to dictate, um, how my use of force. Whether or not you make it home at the end of your shift, Nick. Yeah. Yeah like taking my taser away or taking away the ability to use OC spray or, I mean, this is fucking stupid. Like, but, uh, Mike, we're going to, uh, we're going to have you on again. It's like a regular on Damn, this thing bro, now, man. I am. It's called the Nick, Mike and Mike show or Nick, Mike and bro, Hollywood you give me a lot of CDI points, bro. You know what those are? <laughs> what Chicks is that? Digit points. <laughs> yeah. I've gotten a shit ton of you guys. Uh, Thanks. Appreciate yeah, we got to talk offline about uh, getting your wife uh, wife on the uh, dude. You won't show. regret it, man. So, she is fucking yeah. awesome, and she is ten times wittier and more of a smartass than I am. Well, I'll text yeah, you because uh, I did you wrong, man. I was uh, I was cooking when you. Uh, I'm when sorry, you you're what? The other day. I was, I was oh, working out. Yeah, I was about to say, aren't you married? <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that shit with my wife's on here, please. <laughs> dude, I won't. That's the first fucking no, thing I'm telling nah, her. Dude, I gotta go to bed with her, bro. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, so, Mike, tell folks where they bro, can find you. Yeah, so, you, uh, so find us on Facebook and uh, the Instagrammy. Uh, Facebook, just uh, you can look us up at 720 Interdiction Strategies. Uh, you can also go to our website, www.720 interdiction 
uh, com. Uh, on Facebook, it's actually 720 spelled out. Um, so for, uh, man, I'll tell you what, guys, training, hit us up. You're going to get some no bullshit, real world police training. And 100% of the content comes straight from my body camera to the actual PowerPoint, right? To the class you're going to be in. 100% of it. And I could tell you, I took one of Mike's courses before Mike came on for the first part. And um, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, the course. Uh, it was on gas tanks, removing yeah, gas dude. tanks. Uh, I love that course, man. I love it. And uh, inspired me to do Zoom uh, courses on peer support. Badass. So keep it up. Um, we need it. Mike, Mike's a solid Thanks, dude. Um, so check Mike out. Uh, we'll put a link on our website. I forgot to do that last time. So there'll be a 720 interdiction link. I know. I know. Um, uh, there's one for. Oh. Anyway. I love you, so, Dave. Uh, so uh, you can reach me at Nick at rollcallroom.com. You can reach my, reach my co-host Mike at rollcallroom.com. Go on rollcallroom.com. Subscribe to Patreon. Help the show go, uh, keep going. Uh, as always, we have some great sponsors. Go on there. Check out Ferocious Beards. Midnight Platoon Apparel. Love their shit. Go on there. Type in uh, promo code Roll Call Room and you get 20% off. Their shirts are really, really dope. Uh, Mike, I appreciate it. You Thanks, are man. Awesome. I appreciate that, bro. And just remember, dude, all right, get po- Rebecca on here. You don't tell all the shit we're talking, please. <laughs> she just walked in. Uh, yeah, bro. Be safe, brothers. Be safe out there, and we'll see you on the next one.